Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning Two with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Turning Two with Booney. I'm Rich Herrera, executive producer of the Boone Podcast. That, of course, is Brett Boone. Booney, what's up? What's going on, Rich? You look like a child today in your uniform. I, this is a shout out to the Boone Podcast North. Wow. And they know who they are. They yes. They know who they are. To our friends at the Boone Podcast North. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about football this week on the, the Boone Podcast. I'm so excited about that. You know what a football guy I am. Well, you're playing fantasy football now. Yes, I am. So we're going to talk about your fantasy football team and how exciting and thrilling it was for you this weekend. Well. We'll get into that, but I, I don't know how exciting or thrilling it was. I, I was told the results. Uh, my son beat me week one. So, handily. Uh, handily. Handily, you but you said it. my my score isn't that bad. Come no, on, I'm just, I'm just okay. learning. Okay. Yeah, what was my score? Learning. What was my score? Uh, I think he scored 100 points. I think he had 150, so there was really no chance for you to win. But we'll no, tri- walk- tri- Triple digits. Yeah, we'll walk through your fantasy team coming up here in just a little bit. All but right. uh, welcome, everybody. On Fridays, I take over in the driver's seat. Boone sits uh, riding shotgun, so we can ask him a bunch of questions uh, for the week. Biggest story of the week, though, in sports is not in the baseball field, Brett. It's on uh, the turf at MetLife Stadium. So. Right. Everybody and their brother has had a take on it. Everybody and their brother has had their opinion on it. So why not get Brett Boone's opinion on Aaron Rodgers, the injury, the devastation to the team. He's out maybe for his career with an Achilles uh, injury with just instant reaction to a, a future Hall of Famer going down in the first series of the season. Well, I think first and foremost, it's an injury. He he tore his Achilles tendon, and that could happen anywhere. Um, so, you know, obviously from a Jets fan's perspective, not good. Uh, then the – I don't know how much this is a turf and a grass thing, I'll, or is it something that, oh, this is something we could talk about for a few days. Um, all right, here's my background. I came into the big leagues in the early 90s. That was AstroTurf. They didn't have this new synthetic state-of-the-art turf that they have today. Uh, that being said, I, I did play, and Rich, you know about this, down in uh, Tampa Bay. The Rays have it was the only place when I was still playing that had the artificial turf, and that's because it's in a dome. It's not retractable. It doesn't get any sunlight, and it acts like grass. 
Now, the AstroTurf early on in my career, uh, when I was a young man, I loved playing on AstroTurf. Other than a seam here and there, and you kind of knew where the seams were. You got true hops. The game was faster, so it was more of a step and a dive to make plays. But I really liked fielding it on it. And and I remember <laughs> as a young player, uh, my double play cart partner was was Barry Larkin. And, and we're talking after the, the game, old he, Riverfront Stadium. The other the old Riverfront. So Barry'd come walking through, and he's probably four or five years my senior. And he'd come walking through ice head to toe. And I'd look at him, I'm 23, you know, I forget, 23, 24 years old. I'm going, What's what's up with the ice? And he just kind of looked at me and said, Brett. Uh, one day you'll see playing on this turf every day. Well, I learned that later in my career. You know, my knees at the end of the my career, I attributed a, a lot of, of the turf I played on in Cincinnati for years. I came up in the kingdom. That was the same, artificial uh, artificial turf, astroturf. Now, today's turf is different. And, and I reached out to my brother, and shameless plug for Matthew Boone, Boone Action Turf. He's in the turf business. He's had this business for about 15 years. He, he talks about different qualities of turf that he puts in and the highest quality, how much it is just like grass. Now, I know in my er, just in my brief experience playing in Tampa Bay as a fielder, as a player, on my body, it acted exactly like grass. I actually liked it because it was very true. This is the, the only field thing, turf that we have now. Field turf that you have now. And, and I'm sure better in 2023 than it was in 2005 as far as technologies come. Uh, strict, all right, I'll take this strictly as a player. Uh, the new artificial grass plays exactly like real grass. Uh, as far as you're talking about fielding. Fielding. Okay. If you get it right, the top of the line stuff acts exactly like grass because there's two different brands there's field turf and there's astroturf the old astroturf which is i believe was made by monsanto and right. that was originally designed for the astrodome when the astrodome was first built they did it with um a glass roof and they thought that the sunshine could grass right turf and they figured out very quickly they didn't get enough sun the the grass died so they went and found AstroTurf, which is more like a carpet. Now, that's right. And AstroTurf was dangerous. There were seams. If you caught a spike in a seam, you could blow out your knee. Whereas in grass, it's going to get it's you're going to have a little give when, okay. you, when you're cutting and driving. You're going to have some give in grass. Even this new grass, you have give. So I don't buy that. Because of the grass, that's why he tore his Achilles. I don't I don't buy it at all. Now, all this being said, this artificial turf was was invented, is out there basically for college, high school, uh, travel ball teams where there's going to be 10 games played on a field in a day. It's little to no maintenance. Well, so you, fiscally, you, yes. Right. At the big league level, money is no object. You have 10, 15 grounds crew that are manicuring that field. That's their job to do. So the the big argument is at the big league level, at the NFL level, because money's not an object and you're not lacking resources, everything should be natural grass because it looks prettier. It's natural grass. And you have the maintenance crew to maintain it. Football, you play once a week. You just got to get that. If you've got 20 guys and say, get this field 
ready once a week. I'm not saying it's an easy job, but it's a very doable job to have that consistent playing field that that you come to expect to play. The only reason I like I kind of like the new synthetic because it acts just like grass. The only difference is you'll never take any divots out. The course of a baseball game, things happen, you cut, you move, you might take a divot out, like on a golf course. And now you got to replace the divot. Later in the game, that ball might hit that actual divot. So that's the only, if I can find a flaw, that's the only flaw I can, I can find. Also, the differences in Major League Baseball, and, and I'm speaking from an infielder standpoint, we do most of our work on the dirt. Right. So the grass is a small part of it. Now, the outfielders, obviously, they're standing on the grass. All their plays are made on the grass. But all the actions in the in the infield, and that's with the dirt grass surrounding it. So okay, let me pepper that you. was the longest-winded answer yeah. I could possibly give you. The bottom line is I don't think it matters whether it's this new state-of-the-art grass or natural grass. The argument is why not at the highest level have – natural grass. Okay, I don't well, think it's pepper, a safety issue. I don't think it's pepper, a safety issue. Let me pepper you with a couple things. So I've always heard this about the old AstroTurf, the one that that's a carpet. Right. Um, tell me why it beat up your knees and why it took such a toll on you. Well, you don't know it's beating up in your knees when you're young because you're young and you get right. out of bed and you could do back handsprings. Um because it's you find out what's actually there and it's concrete then a little layer and then this turf is laid over it right so, it's about it's about a couple inches thick right and you feel that way i mean some of the some of the turfs were better than other turfs some uh some organizations kept their turf up better uh cincinnati did a pretty good job but then you go the other side of the coin was you go to montreal and it's like, you know, I'm playing in Montreal in nineteen ninety-eight. They haven't they haven't they haven't changed that turf since nineteen eighty. And you can feel it. I mean, you talk about it being that thick in between. Well, it felt like I was really playing on concrete, playing on concrete. with a little layer. Uh and it was hard and that wear and tear, that pounding on your joints over time. You, you know, I think of guys like Andre Dawson. Right. who played on that turf for so long and how how bad his knees got beat up. He attributes that a lot to to grow, to playing the majority of his career on that on that AstroTurf. Uh the flip side was, you know, what I said in the opening is I loved playing on it. I mean, it was fun. It's a different game. It's just it's a step in the dive. Everything's coming at you harder, faster. Uh but I actually enjoyed it, you know, not notwithstanding that long term, it's going to break you down a little bit quicker. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Wow, that was a long answer. I, I Brett Boone. Obviously, you don't want to talk about your fantasy football team because you're stalling on me here. That's right. All right. I know the tactics. So, playing on it, fielding it, you liked the AstroTurf better because it was quicker. Sure. I don't. Bounces. I don't necessarily say I like it better. It was fun. It was a it different was fun. game. Okay. It was a different. The new game. turf that we have now. You see the little pebbles pop up when the when the baseball hits it, or you see uh, when someone is running, you see the little puffs of of a cloud that pops up, or when somebody is getting up and they're covered with with little pebbles and such. Um, my big thing is number one. Tell me about when your cleat gets stuck in the turf, artificial turf versus natural grass. 
Now, what turf are we talking about? The we're talking turf? about we're talking about field turf. The new or, turf. The new turf. No, no different. Doesn't get stuck. It acts. It's it's designed to act like natural grass, so it has give. Okay. The astroturf, the old astroturf, had seams, and if you caught a seam in your spike, you can blow your you snap your knee in half. Right. But this new this new grass is designed. It's state of the art. It it has give like grass. Okay. So you the injuries aren't there. That's why I don't buy the injury thing. When you talk about the pebbles, Rich, that's more of a football thing, because baseball when you're running in the base pass, you're right. running on no. actual dirt. Right. No. No. I'm just so talking that turf about on doesn't TV. Come into play. On TV, when you see the ball hit and it skips through the the infield, right? Uh, you can see a little puff. You see a little puff of that stuff coming up. Right. And it, it, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know the dynamics, the ins no, and no, outs no. of it's how just, it's it, built. It's the fill. It's the fill that keeps you right. Uh, right. That, that keeps it feeling more like you're playing on top of grass that's sitting on dirt. Right. From an aesthetic okay. standpoint, from a fan's view, maybe they want they don't want to see that. No, I don't think. But as cares. a player's view, player's view. Let, let, let me not take all the players view because I haven't interviewed the current players and what they think. Right. From a guy that's played on all three surfaces. The new state of the art grass meant to play like natural grass. I've got no problem with. I don't see a safety issue. I don't see anything. It plays as true as natural grass, well manicured. So, all in all, I love all three. The only thing is, if you don't quite, if you're not meticulous with natural grass and you're not perfect, let's say the the grounds crew went out and partied the night before. Well, it's not going to be consistent. If the grounds crew parties the night before, that new fake stuff is going to be the same as it was the day before. Okay, tell me about the relationship between a baseball player and the grounds crew. Uh, it, it, probably the outfielders don't really have a relationship. Infielders definitely do. Uh, in Seattle, I had a gentleman that would come out to me uh, every day during batting practice. Booney, how's the surface? And, and Seattle was tremendous it was as consistent as could be he did the same whatever his regimen was uh it worked and i was i never had a problem um with it you know if i ever felt that if it was getting a little too damp to slow that ball down or or, or not make it I, I would say hey a little less water or a little more water uh depending on the thing but i'll tell you he, he was great in seattle and it's tough to really complain. I, I look at the older stadiums, okay. like a Fenway, like a like a Wrigley Field. And Wrigley has since uh, rectified the problem. But Wrigley back in the day, in the 90s, uh, was very uneven. It, the surface, there were lips all over the place. Uh, and, and what I mean lip is where the grass meets the dirt on the infield. Right. If I'd play a little bit, a step or two beyond the infield dirt, I had to be careful when that when I was catching that ball to get in front of that because there was a lip. Um, but other than those old fields, and 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 I've heard since they've been rectified and they're perfect now. I think they they resurfaced the entire Wrigley Field and they leveled it out, and now it's you know it, it's up to snuff with the rest of the major league ballparks. But back in the day, back in the '90s, yeah, you might have some ballparks where they're not quite well as well manicured. I really see it now, Rich, at the minor league level. Because when we were coming up, the minor leagues, you're playing in low A ball. Right. It It's funny because, you know, you'll see, you look at the stats back uh, back in the 90s and the 80s, and, and it's like you'll see the errors. It's like, well, first thing a scout would say, well, you should see the ballpark he plays in. Yeah. 
Now I go to an A ball park and they're like the big leagues they're when like I cathedrals. first came to the big leagues. Yeah. yeah. So uh definitely um, the surface is getting getting better uh okay. with time. Other thing is, and you talked about this, you talked to Matthew, I did a little research as well. It's not always the natural grass is perfect. Uh Super Bowl last year, uh brand new turf at uh State Farm Stadium in Glendale. First uh first quarter, people were complaining they couldn't run and they couldn't cut because the turf was so bad. And, and you have places like Green Bay, uh, Lambeau Field, which is a hybrid of it has some natural turf and some of the uh, the artificial turf built together. They also have coils underneath to keep the ground from freezing. They have antifreeze coils underneath, probably the best turf that you have in any professional sport in North America. But there's also times New York, when it gets cold in the winter, it's hard to keep that grass going. So there's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes into it, whether you have real grass or natural grass in there. Sometimes, um, like you said, for high school, I could do 10 events a week and nothing's going to happen to that field. But you also have uh, inclement weather. You have teams that will have a college play there as well. So it's not just as easy as, well, they're being cheap. They have artificial turf. They should get the grass. There's other things that go into it as well. Well, and, and football is a different animal than baseball. You know, baseball, we're doing all our running on the base pass, and the base pass and baseball are Well, dirt. you are. The outfielders aren't. Right. But I'm talking about the offensive player. Okay. It's in the NFL. These are big, strong, fast men. And what is their job? Right. To evade the tackler. So you're going to be cutting and jiving on grass. It's just a completely, it's not comparable, the game of baseball to the game of football when it comes to a surface and as far as getting a grip. That's why you'll see it more, and you're right, the inclement weather, uh, you'll see in the NFL, oh, they're going to the long spikes today right? because of the weather. Well, that's an NFL thing. You know, baseball, we wear metal spikes. I'm never going to the long spikes in baseball. It's consistent. The right. Weather, okay. If the weather gets too bad, we have a rain out. We don't play the game. It's it football and baseball. It's just apples and oranges. It's just it's apples really and oranges. All right, but but this is not apples and oranges. When you have a devastating injury right off the get go, so Rogers goes down, and it's so New York Jet. It's so New York Jet. First first series, he has four plays. He's done for the year. What happens inside a clubhouse locker room for a team when you have one of your big stars goes down so quickly, so early, and it's devastating for him because he's done for the year. He's not going to be on the team for the year. So there's that awkward moment where he's no longer part of the roster and you have to pick up and move on with a without a guy that was going to be one of the big cogs in your machine. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything in, in – in, in other sports comparable to uh, an MVP caliber quarterback. What if, what if your horse, what if your number one starter went down? Well, look at the Texas Rangers and Jacob deGrom. When healthy, arguably the best pitcher in baseball goes down. They keep going because that's one pitcher. But what's a, no, no, he doesn't I'm pitch every about, day. What I'm asking about is what's it like inside the clubhouse when you um, get that horrible news that one of your big dogs is out? Oh, definitely not good, but you got to be a pro and move on. I mean, this is a part of the game. This is a part of life. It happens on a yearly basis to somebody. Somebody loses 
a, a key player on their team every year. And there's two ways you go about it. Sit there and you lick your wounds and woe is me or, hey, we got to move on despite this. This is what, you know, and it's a rallying cry. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. Jets, from what I'm hearing from, from the football types, yourself included, Jets are pretty good this year. Jets are very And that's good why there was so much excitement in New York is like, Jets defense is good. It's a good team. And by the way, we got Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest to ever do it, opening day. It's got to be, from a fan's perspective, It's which I'm not, it's got to be devastating. You, you're playing fantasy football. It's We're going to be devastating. One this year. Rich, I always answered this way. Are you a, are you a fan? I, I'm really not a fan of anything. I'm a fan of sport. You're I'm an athlete. You're not a fan. I appreciate great play. Okay. What about for that guy who's injured? Oh, they can't the help the team. It is I mean, the just because you because you because you're no longer part of the team. I was pretty fortunate in my career uh, to stay pretty much injury free. I went on the IL DL back in the day twice. Uh, one, I had elbow surgery and one was 19 or 2000. I was with the San Diego Padres and I had a knee issue and I missed the last seven weeks. I've heard it from other players that have that have spent long stints on the injured list for various reasons. And, and as a player, until you go through it, you really don't know what it's like. And I've heard accounts of other players saying, Oh, you feel like you're invisible. You're not there. You're, you're a loser. You're this and you're that. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're just hurt. It, it, no big deal. When I got hurt the first time, and I had I had elbow surgery uh, right before opening day, and I believe it was 1996. And I remember coming back, rehabbing, but I felt like I was in the way. Whereas before the surgery, I was a main part of that team, that Cincinnati Reds team in that locker room. I was in the middle of the mix. When I was hurt and I couldn't be on the field, I felt like I was an outsider. I really did. And I think I had been told stories like this by teammates and colleagues, and I didn't believe them. Like, come on. It's not that big of a deal. I'm telling you, when you get hurt, it's an eye opener. It's weird. It's like I felt like I was in people's way because it's like, you know, I, I would be in the training room getting getting uh, getting treatments and feel like, well, wait a minute. These my teammates, they have to play today. I'm just this guy in the way taking up a training table. Uh, it's a really bizarre feeling and it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. And that's, and that's on the baseball side. You know, that's a, it's a little bit different. Aaron Rodgers will be, uh, they've got so many staff members. He'll probably have his own thing where he's going to rehab this. Uh, so he's not kind of in the mix of his players, but baseball, when you, when you play every day and it's 162 games and let's say you have a 10 or 12 day homestand and, and you're still a month away from coming back, you really do feel like you're in the way. I remember those, those, like I said, I was lucky. It didn't happen to me much, but I remember when I was hurt, I'd make sure I got to the ballpark really early, got into the training room, did all my work before the guys that were actually able to be in the lineup tonight got there. And I felt like I was just, okay, let me, can I help you with anything? Can I get you, can I get you a Coke? You know, I felt like that guy and it's, it's really a bad feeling. You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, you're a fish out of water. It's almost like you don't know how to behave. Wow, and I've seen that before, and it's yeah. that kind of that faraway stare that you have, and you're scurrying about. 
you know, uh, listen, I, I've seen Brett Boone walk in the tunnel and he's got all kinds of swagger and he's pulling his bag and, you know, he looks like he owns the joint as he walks in. And then I've seen players walk in to the stadium on crutches or with their arms in a sling. Right. And, and, they're, them, and they're star players and they're star players. And, and it's you, like their whole you take away their personality like you can't it's, play. It's you took Superman's cape. Yeah, you did. And and you it it you know, not saying not saying we're all supermen, but yeah, I, I think that reference is accurate. It's like this is my ability, this is what I do, this is what I bring to the table, and all of a sudden you chop my legs off. And now I can't do it. You know, and I I, I don't want to cheapen that in real life, but that's how you feel kind of as an athlete when you can't perform. You I think you summed it up perfect. You lost your superpower. And you see them and they walk in and they're they're standing next to the wall, they're hugging the wall. It's humbling. Not, yeah. It's it's like now I gotta walk around life and be like a non athlete like Rich Herrera. Exactly. One hundred percent. Let's let's move on. Braves won the American League East again. You were a brave mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. Does it get monotonous and boring when you keep doing it over and over and over again? Absolutely. Why would it? Absolutely not. Uh, and they've got two worlds. You take it for team. granted? Depending on the team, depending on the personnel. Um, I don't think this Braves team does. And and I look at that staff top to bottom. And that's pretty it's a pretty it's a pretty good mix of, of uh coaches with the skipper at the top uh who grew up in the under Bobby Cox in that Braves organization for 25 years before he got a shot. And I'm talking about uh, Brian Snitker and his staff that he's put underneath him is a, is a combination of, of new school and old school. I think it's whatever it's, whatever they got going, it's a perfect combo. And then you look at the talent level of the roster they put together. Uh, This team is really good. I mean, there's not a, there is not a weakness. And, um, you know, one of the best offensive years in the history of baseball they're putting together right now. And uh, Robert Acuna, as of today, uh, he's my MVP over Mookie Betts. And that's Wait not. A minute. To- Wait a minute. Mark the tape. What'd you say? Today, which is uh, 15th. Ah, oh, that's a cop out. I want the, I want the, who well, should be he- the MVP? Rich, here's the deal. I I'm, I broke him down. Mookie Betts is hitting 311. He's on base 411. Acuna's hitting 333. He's on base 415. Acuna's leading the National League in runs, hits, stolen bases. And I'll get to that later. They're both leading off. They both have around 100 RBIs in the leadoff hole, which is unbelievable. Mookie's got 101. Uh, Acuna's got 97 ribbies. These guys are having two of the greatest leadoff uh, seasons of all time. Mookie Betts is playing second base and shortstop. People have no idea. Right fielders don't just come in and play second and fill in at short. It's unheard of. goes back to when I used to, and I've told this story on the podcast before, Mike Cameron, a great friend of mine to this day. When he was my teammate, he'd be in taking ground balls. And I said, 
I said, Cammy, and he was a great center fielder, Gold Glover. I said, do you know what an outfielder is? And he'd say, what, Booney? I'd say, it's an infielder that's not good enough to play the infield. So get back in the outfield. And he agreed, but he loved playing short. And during batting practice, he'd take ground balls with the infielders. I've seen Mookie do that. It's one thing to mess around with us before the game. It's another thing to actually start, a, do it. start a big league game at shortstop. And it's not like you're starting a game in left field versus right or or first well, base. Okay, Shortstop well, is far and away the toughest position to play. Mookie's uh, – let me finish. Mookie's playing short. Mookie's playing second. That's just a bonus to the great year he's had. But what separates the two – Acuna's got, he's closing in on 70 stolen bases. And all I can give from an insightful uh, personal experience is when I was a young player, I would look at this 2020 and I'd say, what's the big deal going 2020? What's the big deal going 30-30? Now I could appreciate the 20 home run side and the 30 home run side because I wasn't a base stealer. But I really thought, what's, what's all the hype about? Until... In the early 2000s, I had a few uh, really offensive seasons. And, man, it felt like I was on base an awful lot. I think the high I've ever had, base stealing-wise, was 16. But the year I stole 16, I was like, wow, that's a lot of bases to steal because I'm on base so much. Base stealing really takes a lot out of you. And the fact that he's doing it this clip, almost 70, is the only thing because they're neck and neck on pretty much everything else. Acuna, they're both right fielders. They're both leading off. They both have 100 ribbies. They're both hitting over 300. What separates it for me right now, two weeks to go, because anything could happen. Next week, Mookie Betts could have this unbelievable player of the week, and it puts him a little bit in the lead. So these guys are neck and neck. But right now, uh, with everything being equal, both on first-place teams, uh, Robert Acuna, that, that almost 70 bags separates it for me. All right, we'll have to ask him this question next week because he's he's uh Brett is Brett is giving and you know us what you know what you know what the what is really amazing about this and the the mirror images I'm looking at if these guys weren't having two of the most incredible years in the last 10 15 years that you know Aaron Judge a year ago and Shohei Otani just throw him out of the mix he doesn't count their teammates both first basemen, both traded for one another. Olsen's only got a hundred, about 130 ribbies, 50-plus homers. He's not even right. in the MVP talk. And Freddie Freeman. That's incredible. Freddie Freeman hitting 335. He's got 25 homers. Just set an all-time Dodgers doubles record in a season. It's kind of the, the glue that holds that team together. Um, those guys are just afterthoughts. They're not even in the in the conversation. So that just tells you how special Mookie Betts and Acuna's years are. Absolutely. Um, real quick, give me two minutes on the American League West. Some injuries out there. This just seems like it's a battle royale between three teams with the last man standing. American League West, and I've broken down to four four teams for that wild card spot. American League West is. Uh, Currently, we're sitting at uh, Houston Texans out a game. The Mariners are a game and a half off the pace. Uh, but I, I think the true story, Rich, for that is that division's going to shake out and finish how it finishes. Devastating news yesterday with uh, 
Scherzer being diagnosed, he's out for the season. And when and when you say he's out for the season, yeah, but what about the postseason? That tells me uh, there's no there's no guarantees that he's going to be pitching in the postseason. Huge blow for them. They went through it with Degrom earlier in the season. That could be a rallying cry for them. They're still pretty deep in the starting pitching. Uh, but that bullpen for Texas is their weak link. Uh, and the other guys in that division, Seattle and Houston, are much superior in the bullpen. But I think it comes down to a four-team race for three spots. Uh, Baltimore is going to be in. Tampa Bay is going to be in. The Minnesota Twins are going to be in. So you got three spots. And that shifts the focus to the AL West, where you got Houston, Texas, Seattle battling for top spot. But then you've got the Toronto Blue Jays, who recently are getting whooped by Texas. That's a really good team, too, and that's what do I always say about postseason. I always want the teams that can pitch. Toronto can pitch. They've hit tough times right now, so it's going to go between Houston, Texas, Seattle, Toronto. I would say right now Toronto is going to be the odd team out, but that division is going to come down to the wire, and it's who gets hot these last two weeks. Uh, Houston's been a quiet team that's just uh, – it's been like that Braves team. In the last six, seven years have just been that constant – win every year. Seems like they're going to the World Series every single year. They've been quietly, and, and now they've quietly moved into the top spot in that division. Texas has had a, a, an awesome year with the first year under Bruce Bochy. Uh, they've hit rough times uh, recently, but I think they've just rattled off four or five in a row. And Seattle, at the All-Star break, they were 10 games out and went on a two-month two run uh, probably played better than anyone in the game of baseball. They have the best starting rotation. So it, this is a battle. This is 14. That's the thing. So in, the, in, the, in, the, in that, so, go ahead. No, no, because, yeah, you're going to be a chatty Kathy today. Hold on a second. I got to throw something well, else I, in I'm here. I'm passionate about this. I know you're passionate about this. Are you? Are these teams going to be tired or are they going to be battle-hardened? Battle-hardened. When you're in this, it doesn't matter how many games you've played. Uh, you're not tired at this point. You're 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 on that adrenaline energy. It's exciting. You're down the stretch. Uh, I'll be in Seattle tomorrow night. Uh, they're going to play the Dodgers, and I'm sure that that place is starting to rev up. And you've got that electric, uh, electric feeling like it's a rock concert every night. And y- there's no time to be tired right now. Yeah, if you were 15 games out and you just got to play it out, you're tired, Rich. It's amazing how tired you are when you're out of the pennant race. But when you're in something this exciting right now, it seems like it's opening day every night. So this is a really fun time for a player. All right, then talk to the fans. Because, you know, I spent all that time in Tampa Bay, and you show up at the end of the season, and you're fighting the uh, you're fighting the Yankees and the Red Sox for that playoff spot, and you show up, and there's 10,000 people on a Tuesday night. I stood there in the dugout one day. Uh, Evan Longoria, B.J. Upton, stuck their head above the lip to see how many fans were there, and you just see their crestfallen faces as there weren't a lot of fans in the ballpark. But then I know I've been on the road, and you've got that place rocking, like I'm sure it's going to be at T-Mobile this weekend. Tell me how the fans help pick you up and take this to a next level when you get a marquee matchup. Maybe it's a World Series preview, Dodgers and Mariners this weekend. Yeah. Seattle, the city of Seattle, most underrated fan. When you think of fans, you think of the Boston Red Sox, you think of the New York Yankees, the Mets, the Philadelphia Philly fans as being loud and boisterous. I played everywhere. In the early 2000s in Seattle, uh, which was Safeco Field before, now it's T-Mobile. It's the most electric fans I've ever seen. 
And, and every night I was kind of, I put my foot on the top step and it was kind of like I, I was leading us out and I'd look around and it didn't matter Monday night against the last place team or Saturday night against the Yankees. It was the same every night. It was like I was, we were taking the stage at a rock concert and it was one of the coolest things that I ever got to go through for that, for that uh, three or four year period in my career. I got to play. It. You know, oh, it's unbelievable. Yes. And Seattle brings it. I mean, that's why I always sit here and I go crazy watching these Mariners over the last, you know, since I've retired the last 15 years, it's like, man, if you win in that city, they will come and they will bring down the house. You go across the street and I've been there a few times. And, and shortly after I retired, I'd go up and, and go see a Seahawks game and they'll walk up to Seahawks stadium and getting in and the electricity in the house. And I used to tell people, cause at the time the Mariners weren't winning. I said, this is how it used to be at Safeco and people that hadn't seen it. Didn't believe me. I said, I'm telling you, I lived it. It was one of the coolest things to experience as a player I've ever experienced. But, uh, Seattle's starting to get that back a little bit. And I'm sure this weekend will be, it'll be pretty cool to watch that stadium kind of come alive again. This is, if you're in the, playoff hunt right now especially these races in the in the NL West or the AL West is a big one but the wild card race in the National League is inter is just as intriguing it's a lot of fun these days and I'm telling you there's no time to be tired you know when you're tired the day you get eliminated and and you have to put on that walk of shame back to your locker for the last time that's when it really kicks in and now you're exhausted but until then you're ready to go um, so I wonder how many people, what, what's going to be the big electricity at T-Mobile this weekend, Dodgers in town or Booney in town? Uh, I think, we, I think a combination of both. Uh, Brett, no, Brett has returned. Now, it, you know, you go back, you go back there and it's cool. And, and the fans have been so good to me and gracious to me over the years, <laughs> but you realize after a few, if when you go up there a few times during the year, you start to feel bad. Like I, I played 15 years ago. These kids, you know, kids are coming up to you for autographs. You weren't even born the last time I played here, but <laughs> it's still a, a really cool feeling. And yeah. and the Seattle, the fans of Seattle, they've been great. But at Mariners this point, at this point, it's about these current guys. And it's just, it's cool that I can be a little part of it by being up there and, and uh, hanging out for a game. And the Mariners are good to you. Yeah, they're good. The pitching. What have I been no, saying no, all the year? Team, the organization is good to Boone when They're you come great. up there. They're great. First class operation. They uh, roll out the red carpet. I've been with you in Seattle. They roll, roll out the red they, carpet. They do. I have no complaints, Rich. They they do a first class job. Okay. Uh, next thing we let, let's get out of here real quick with what what what's Boone watching? I wanted to figure that out. All right. Uh. We'll start off with the Netflix. I've got three for you. And I had I, I wrote them down. I keep getting them mixed up. Extraction one. Right. Chris Hemsworth. I think there's three. I got uh, Krista started watching. Because I, I don't like watching movies on Netflix. I like series, not movies. Right. So she rolls this out. I'm a Hemsworth guy. I like him. She starts playing it. I said, how, how many, you know, how many seasons does it have? She goes, oh, no, this is a movie. I got pissed right away. I said, I don't want to watch a movie. I don't have two hours to commit. I'm a 42-minute guy. <laughs> but it kind of grabbed me, and I I got sucked in. Next thing you know, I, it took me two days to watch it, but really good. Looking forward to Extraction 2. Uh, 
And then what else? What's the, uh, what is, oh, Safe on Netflix. Okay. It's really good. It's really um, good. European based. It's a good show. Okay. I watch it. It's, it's one series. And then I, I, I'm, I'm bad with names, but what did we just see, Rich? And I saw it because you were going to the movies. The Denzel Washington. The, the third, Equalizer 3. The Equalizer 3. Extraction, Equalizer, same thing. I know. Uh, we talked. Jake was in the car with you, and, and we were trying to figure out the name of the movie. But I'm a huge Equalizer 1 and 2. I thought it was the third one I thought was the best. And for me, Denzel can do no wrong. He, no. he just cannot put a bad product out there. Even his worst movies are solid. Um, Never do wife, you leave a Denzel movie and go. No, my, I, I took my wife to the to see Equalizer 3. She's like, I don't want to see that. All you watch are those, you know, they're people getting hurt. I don't want to see that. But I made her go with me. She came away like, that was incredible. What a well, great movie. Denzel is just, he's just a movie star, man. There's a yeah. difference. There's great actors. And there's just movie stars. The presence he has. Denzel's just a movie star. Yeah. He can do um, he can't do a bad movie. What's your favorite what's your favorite Denzel Washington movie? Man on Fire. It's not even close. Man, I love Man on Fire. Man on Fire is unbelievable. And you know what I, I thought was cool about I don't want to give away too much with this Equalizer three. But uh the little girl in Man on Fire. Yeah. Has a starring role. I didn't even know it was her. I had to look, take a double take. I yeah. thought that was really cool, bringing the two back together. Right. Twenty years ago, and the last time they worked together, she was a little kid. Little kid, yeah. Uh, Man on Fire. I watched it over and over. I think it's an early two thousands film. Yeah. No, I like but, Man uh, on Fire. Unbelievable. I love, I love uh, Crimson Tide. That's a great movie. There's no movies that that he's made that I don't like. No. Put it that way. But Man um, on Fire is my favorite. Are you watching The Bear? Did no. You tell me you're watching that. I'm not. Okay. I started watching Mayans last night. I got ten episodes I haven't watched. I was too busy to watch them. They're all in there. I was cleaning off the DVR and I started watching that last night, and it was good. I watched like three episodes in a row, and I was like, oh, I better stop right now. I'm going to be here at four in the morning watching all ten episodes. That's not bad if you get a chance to watch that. All right. Uh, two more things before we get out of here. Uh, let's do uh, Boone Approved, and then we're going to talk about your fantasy football team. Boone Approved, easy. We just talked about this. Man on Fire 3, excellent. Sometimes sequels aren't. How does Boone feel about movie sequels? Boone Approved, yes or no? Absolutely. Yeah, I love a, I love a good sequel. And there's some sequels that you wish they would have made that they didn't. I wanted to see a Napoleon Dynamite 2. <laughs> they never put it. Okay. They, they said they didn't want to be typecast. You kidding me? You're Napoleon Dynamite. You're He's always only done be, one other movie. He was in always, right. You'll always be Napoleon. Ride that pony, baby. Come Uncle back. Rico. I don't think I've oh. ever seen Uncle Rico on anything else. No, it's ridiculous. Of course you make a Napoleon Dynamite, too. They didn't do it. Okay. Uh, but I loved it. People like to criticize. Oh, Rocky 2 wasn't as good as the. Who cares? Rocky 2 is phenomenal. I a did lot of one, these. One night I did. When the, when the last Rocky movie came out, I did four hours on all of the Rocky movies. Which was the best one? Which is the best? Yeah. Of, of Rockies all the way to the uh, the new one, the new Creed movies. I don't like the new Creed, the latest Creed, because they didn't in, 
they they kept Sylvester out of out of it, right? Out of the mix. That bugs me. That whole thing is made possible by Sylvester Stallone and the fact that they excluded him. I didn't even go see the recent Creed. Uh, all the Rocky movies, even the ones that everybody said sucked and they're no good, they're Rocky to me. I hear that music. It doesn't matter. You can put a you just put a bologna sandwich out there, and I'll like that movie. So I'm a I'm a huge the whole Rocky trilogy. I'm in. I'm all in on all of it. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't have anything negative to say. I don't have a favorite. Yeah, the original Rocky is a pretty pretty classic movie, but they're all good to me. I like them all. All right, let's talk about your fantasy football team before we get out of here. That's well, why you're going to talk about it or you're going to talk about it. All right. So just so you know, here's who you have on your fantasy football team, because we did an auto draft. So Brett didn't have to sit there and do the homework to get through the draft. Because I'm just kind of weaning him into playing fantasy football. Well, g- give me give me the pecking order point wise in our league. Who's leading? Who's in last place? Give me that first well, okay. and then you can. Well, it's it's by standings. So every week you play someone else. So you are zero and one so far. Okay, you lost give me, last give, week. Give me the record, Jake. Okay. So, so um, how is Dick your is team do? I'm I'm one and zero. You're one and zero. Who'd so you beat? I won. I beat uh, I beat our buddy Dave Zolfa. Okay. Who did uh, Nick Allen? Who's he playing this week? Um, you want me? Oh, you want me to tell you who's playing this week? The matchups? I'll no, no. Who did he play games. last week? You were one oh. and zero. I'm zero and one. I got to look that up. Okay, so matchups. Ooh, oh, I, I, I jumped. Okay, no, no I got. Now, I have this week's matchups. I don't have last week's matchups. All right, who's this week's matchups? Who's who's playing who? Who's playing who? Uh, I am playing my brother Mark. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, my buddy Dave is playing the Barriers. I think that's Krista. Um, Savannah, Krista you're Ma- playing Matthew your daughter, Boone, Savannah. Okay. You're playing Savannah. Okay. You're playing your daughter. Um, our friend Braden from the uh, from 97.3 The Fan. Yes. Coach, coach, Coach's show. He's playing Nick Allen. Okay. Uh, and I think... I think um, Who's the little I man? Think Jake's playing. playing little man, and then I'm okay. playing my brother. Okay. So that so so let me do. Do you know your team? No. All right. I, I, I had to make an adjustment last week. Somebody was was out. Uh, was right. So out your team injury, is Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. Henry, okay. uh, the running back from Tennessee. You have Etn uh, from uh, Jacksonville. You get Stephon Diggs from Buffalo. You've got Johnson from Pittsburgh. Um, McLaren from Washington, Pittsburgh's defense, and McPherson from Cincinnati is your kicker. You got a pretty good team. That's so a really Sunday, solid ball club right there. Right. So you need to pay attention to see how your team does this week. I will. Okay. So we'll see. So you you're playing. You got Jalen. You know Hurts. that I re- you know that I recognize like two of the names you put out there. I know, but now you now you're going to become a football fan because you're going to be pulling for your guys because Savannah has Josh Allen and Saquon Barkley on her team. So you need your guys. Does, Aaron, does anybody have Aaron Rodgers or had? I think they're already gone. They already they already dumped him. Okay. So anyway, so as you're watching this weekend. You got to watch Philadelphia and see how they do. 
I don't have to watch anything. I can well, just come on. I can just come on. Football's rooting for I can, your guys. I can come on turning two with Boone and let Rich Herrera break it down for me. Oh, or I could be, worst. or I could be a good guy and appease everybody and watch it. Yes. Come back next week and go, Rich. Did you see the way Hurt made that play on third and fourth? Uh, and I beat Savannah. Third and ninth. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm pretending to be a bigger idiot when it comes to football than I really am, but I, I will. I will start to okay. pay attention. I will start to pay. Attention. All right. Hey, that's going to do it for the podcast for this week. That's Brett Boone. I'm Rich Rare. Hey, don't forget, we need uh, reviews. We we need we need reviews. We need uh, five star ratings. If you enjoy the podcast, that's how we help grow it. Uh, please do so. Uh, that's it for this edition of Turning Two with Boney. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Bye.